my opinion, you just get boots on the ground, look for sign. Are you finding tracks? Are you finding rooting? Are you finding evidence of feeding? You know, tore up uh, shin daggers, lechugia, century plants, you know, shredded prickly pear, rooting around the prickly pear, you know, looking for all that sign. And to me, that's that's the start, finding that sign. Who's deer will eat lechugia, shin daggers, all the time. They, they chew on the ends like a popsicle. So there's times where I'll get into a, you know, big shin dagger field and, and it's all tore up. And, and, uh, and a lot of times it's actually coos deer. The sun makes things pop. I mean, the sun hits a deer, it shines like a light bulb. Same thing with the pigs, you know, when that sun is. So I like to have the sun at my back when I'm glassing as much as I can. And so I'm gonna be looking at the lower thirds of the, the ridges where they're coming up out of those bottoms. If you've got a herd that you know of, right, and, mm -hmm. and you roll in that year scouting or hunting, you know, and, and you're looking at the herd, and let's say normally it's, you know, 12 to 15 pigs or whatever, a good herd, and there's only six individuals, mm -hmm. you know, you have to decide, is the herd split because something spooked them and so half are over at this bedding area and the other half are two canyons away and they just haven't got back together? Or, you know, have they experienced a depredation issue or parvo or something? Mm -hmm. But you got to make a decision when you're looking that herd and there's only six individuals just don't shoot one man go find another herd because if you wipe out that herd guess what now you got to go find another herd you know when the pigs are in the mood the squeaky door is going to call them in when the pigs are on the fence about it the more genuine you can sound I think is going to increase your odds of getting them to respond. And so I think that's the difference when, when guys have them coming in and guys don't have them coming in. It, I, I think a lot of that could be the, the cadence, the, the sounds. Are they realistic sounds for them to respond to it? Or is it just a bunch of squawking, you know, on a, on a call? Hey guys, welcome to 2024. Thank you for all the years of support. Been at this a long time and uh, appreciate you sticking with me. And if you're a new listener, thank you for tuning in. If you could help me out by going to iTunes or Spotify and leaving us a review, I really appreciate it. It helps me keep this free. Speaking of keeping this free, check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20% on everything that they have. And lastly, if you could, do yourself a favor, help protect hunting, help protect your heritage, and get involved with Howl for Wildlife. That's Howl, H-O-W-L, for wildlife.org. Go check it out. Get involved. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, we're going to talk about hunting javelina, something near and dear to my heart. Always have a good time doing it. We got Rick Forrest, the legendary Rick Forrest, with us on the phone. <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, uh, it cracks me up when people call me a legend. Dude, I'm just uh, <laughs> to put you in the grave already. <laughs> legend's dead. <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah. went out in the blaze of glory. Well, I mean, you've been in the space, you know, not just as known for your hunting stuff but as an engineer and and making hunting uh related you know gear and stuff like that like you know hell the schwacker broadheads because of you so yeah <clears throat> i'm always dabbling with something can't uh, can't seem to be satisfied you know always pushing for something new or better yep so why don't you give us a little rundown about yourself and uh then we'll kind of we'll jump into it Okay. Well, I was born in Tucson, so native Arizona, and uh, started hunting at the age of 10. Shot my first deer in Havelina 
back then and uh, got into archery at the age of 13 and got hooked in bow hunting. And uh, matter of fact, the last deer that I shot with a firearm was way back in 86. I've just been pretty wow. much exclusively bow hunting. Dusted off the firearms a few years ago just to do something different with javelina since we've got the, you know, the option of two tags. And, yeah. Uh, you know, used my old lever action 3030 that I shot my first deer with. And then I did a smoke pole. And last year, my buddy shot, shot a javelina with a pellet rifle. That was a hoot. I've been wanting to do that. Bu- I've been oh, wanting, dude, it's, I've oh, been my God. That. That was, <laughs> it is so cool. What caliber? Well, I mean, I've. He was shooting, I want to say it was a 35 cal. Yeah, see, that's what I have. And it was, it was really bizarre because it was somewhat suppressed. And so, I mean, we've all, if you've been around hunting long enough, you've heard the bullet whop, especially when you get out longer yardages. But on a suppressed rifle, pellet rifle, when that 200 grain slug hit that half lane, it was like 90 yards. Mm. It was so loud. It sounded like somebody taking the biggest, juiciest watermelon you can imagine hitting with a ball bat. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. I wish I had videoed it. It was that much fun. But, but I mean, the bottom line is I, I've been um, 61, and I've killed a javelina every year since I was 10. And the years you got two tags, I, I get two. So I don't even know what that adds up to. A lot. So between <laughs> me and... My two brothers and my family, my son, my my boys, my daughters, my wife, and friends. Gosh, dude, I bet I've been involved in well over two to three hundred kills. Yeah, over the years, you know, it's crazy to think about how that adds up. But a lot of a lot of Havelina hunts. I had uh, had your nephew on a few years ago to talk about coos deer hunting. I think it's your nephew, right? Or is that your son? Might have been my son. Eric. Oh yeah, it was Eric. Yeah, it was Eric. That's what. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I was yeah, telling Eric, your dad. Oh, you, he yeah, was uh, your son, rather. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's my youngest son, Eric. He's a he's turned in quite a quite a hunter. Yeah, he's he's a killing machine. That's for sure. Well, before we get into it, you've developed some calls. You got a Havelina call. You had the broadhead. You had several broadheads that you've designed, right? Yeah, pretty much everything that's in the Swacker lineup I designed. Oh, okay, all of them, huh? All right. With the exception of the fixed blade, Nick Gianetti over at Steel Force Broadheads has been contributing on the fixed blade side. Gotcha. Are you still are you still doing stuff with them or no? Yeah, we're still doing stuff with him, and we're also we you know I've got some stuff that we're working on uh, on the fixed blade side as well that that may come out here shortly. Cool. So let's get into a little bit of javelina hunting here. Let me start with this because this is the question gets thrown to me all the time. I guide for javelina and I do quite a bit of javelina hunting myself. But guys always asking me, they're not typically super hard to kill, but I think most people have a hard time finding them. Yep. Um, what's like your favorite or give me some habitat stuff that you look for when you're trying to choose a spot to locate javelina? Well, I mean, habitat's pretty diverse, right? As mm-hmm. you change elevation anywhere in the Arizona, you're going to run into different habitat. Right. True. And so you can you can be chasing pigs down in the lower elevation creosote flats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be chasing them in the Palo Verde 
you know, the, or move up into the mesquites, move on up into the grasslands and the junipers. Um, so, you know, th- they've got a different food source in all of those different locations, and knowing, knowing that food source is, is going to be key. So, and then you just have to, have to have the pigs there too, right? True. So looking, looking at those different, you know, vegetation types, what are the landscape features that you look for in, within those to find good javelina Okay, habitat? so so generally, I mean, uh, usually I'm hunting either in the mesquite, you know, prickly pear, shindagger, lechuguilla stuff, mm-hmm. or we might be up in the oaks, you know, the, above that in the oaks. So if I'm up in the oaks, you know, in those big canyons and the rocky stuff, I'm, you know, I'm going to be glassing the, especially, you know, in the wintertime, if it's cold, you're going to be glassing the sunny faces. And that goes true with all that terrain. But for me, the big thing is whatever area I'm going to hunt in, you, you really got to find the javelina and look for the signs. So it's either with really good optics, and I'm a huge fan on, on big optics. I mean, I'm running big eyes. I've always run high magnification. And so getting the vantage points and spending the hours glassing, or if you don't even know if there's pigs in the area, then you just got to get boots on the ground, look for sign, right? Are they feeding in the prickly pear? Are they feeding on the acorns? Are they feeding on the manzanita berries? Uh, you know, you get out in the antelope grass. I've, you know, I've seen a ton of pigs out in the middle of nowhere in the grass where the antelope are, right? And they're out there, you know, rooting around for tubers and, and bulbs and stuff. So finding that sign is key. If you've never hunted an area, you know, and you're not finding things glassing, mm-hmm. then in my opinion, you need to get boots on the ground, look for sign. Are you finding tracks? Are you finding rooting? Are you finding evidence of feeding? You know, tore up uh, shindaggers, lechuguilla, sentry plants, you know, shredded prickly pear, rooting around the prickly pear, you know, looking for all that sign. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's the start, finding that sign. And you said shredded, which is good. I want to point something out here. Havelina shred cacti or right. any any of that succulent type plant. You will Peace. see cattle will, you know, make distinct teeth mark. Pack rats. Pack, pack rats, rats and, and rabbits. And yeah, exactly. Yep. They all make very distinct teeth marks in those cactus. So, you, so it don't looks like somebody fuel. took a bite out of it with the teeth. It's not a javelina. Right, exactly. Javelina like rip. <laughs> They rip right. at everything. An interesting thing, too, just the other day I shot a video of a coos deer. Coos deer will eat lechuguilla, shinnaggers mm-hmm. all the time. They, they chew on the ends like a popsicle. Okay. And so there's times where I'll get into a you know, big shindagger field and, and it's all tore up. And, and, uh, and a lot of times it's actually coos deer. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen them. I've, seen, I've watched them eat that, but I don't think I've ever made the distinction. Yeah. I think the biggest evidence of sign is the rooting the, yes. the digging uh for tubers and they're not quite as destructive as like a wild pig would be it's just no. like little shallow holes yeah a lot of times like you'll see the prickly pear well they'll get a root up out of the ground and they'll lift that root out of the ground two or three feet of it we mm-hmm. exposed right they chew on a little bit of it so it's not a big hole it's just like something reaching mm-hmm. to grab the root and pull it up out of the ground yeah I have noticed, though, you know, through the years that they'll like to eat out the inside of like a barrel cactus yeah. that gets knocked over, eat it from the bottom, bottom in, 
Yeah, they'll really they'll really work over century plants too. So you know that's another dead giveaway, and those are really easy to glass. Mm-hmm. So you can really you know if you're you know sitting on the hillside with good optics and you start noticing the century plants in that area are just shredded, those are pigs. Absolutely. So we primarily they talked about looking for sign to find the pigs that are in the area. There's pigs in the area. We know there's pigs in the area. What? Where do you start your glassing? Like you're going to sit in a bowl. Obviously, you got you know 360 view of potential javelina country. What are you going to start looking at? Well, you know, pigs don't have fur, right? They've got coarse hair. Mm-hmm. And generally, I mean, there's always the exception, but generally, they don't like the cold weather. So on these cold mornings like now, January, February, mm-hmm. sometimes they won't get out of their beds until I've seen them stay bedded till nine ten in the morning. And I think a lot of guys are glassing at first light, thinking they're going to see something, and they get they get wore out glassing. I'm the kind of guy I sit on a hill for the entire day and not move. Mm-hmm. I can glass the whole day, and I'll hunt with folks. And most folks I notice don't have that perseverance. They'll glass for a little bit. They get tired, whether it's eye fatigue, if they're, or if they're not using tripod, hand fatigue, whatever. They glass for a little bit, and then they're gone. And sometimes those pigs aren't going to move till later in the day, later in the morning, and they're going to usually get out in the sun, and they'll, and they'll feed in that sun. So I usually follow the sun when the sun starts hitting things, and, and you know, the sun makes things pop. I mean, the sun hits a deer, it shines like a light bulb. Same thing with the pigs, you know, when that sun is. So I like to have the sun at my back when I'm glassing as much as I can. And so I'm going to be looking at the lower thirds of the the ridges uh, where they're coming up out of those bottoms. And a lot of times in the cold weather, you know, you get the thermocline where the cold air sinks, the warm air is up high. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've seen where pigs are actually bedding down up on the top of the ridges. Right. And, and not in, that's right. They're not down. in the bottoms. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I've, no, kinda, I've noticed that a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. In the summertime when it's hot, they'll be in the deepest, darkest crevice where it's cool. In the wintertime, they, they don't like being cold. So I'll see them bedding in saddles and up higher on the ridges where the warmer air is. Now... <laughs> I've heard a lot of guys say that whole nine thirty, ten o'clock thing. Oh, I, I don't even start looking for pigs until that time because they don't move till then. So many times I've disproven that and found them oh, at yeah. first light. I think this is my philosophy. It's not that they haven't gotten up out of their beds, although I have bet I have glassed them up bedded before, and I've actually watched them go to bed at the same time that we're talking about 9, 30, 10 o'clock and watch them go in and lay down. But what I think is happening, and I, I wanna, I'm, I'm putting this out there because I want to see if you either agree with me or if you have a different theory. I think what is happening is that javelina don't move a whole lot. Like they might get up and start feeding, but they're right there wherever they're at. And if you're not looking where they're at, you're not going to see them. But come 9, 30 to you know 11:30 they're moving they're walking and feeding walking and feeding and kind of making their way to where they're going to end up betting sure. for the midday and i think mm-hmm. that's why people see them at that time it, it it varies i mean i think it's hard to herd and and, and it could be temperature related right mm-hmm. you're right i mean i'll, I'll at first i'm glassing the first light period yep right 
And there are times when at first light you, you see pigs and they're already feeding, right? There's other times where I'm glassing and I see a pig milling around. And then I realize, man, there's, there's 10 pigs piled up right by that pig. He's the first mm-hmm. one getting up, mm-hmm. right? And they slowly get up and shake off and they start feeding around. What I tell people, what I've found is pigs, they got a home territory. You know, it's debatable on how big that is. Is it one square mile? Is it two square miles? Is it, you know, what is it? I think it depends on the terrain and, and other factors. But within that home turf area, they have three or four what I call main beds. And those are the beds that they they frequent and, and, and they feel secure in. And as soon as they get up out of those beds, they usually start feeding. Yeah. So when I find a hillside that's rooted up, Right. Those pigs didn't walk a mile to get to that hillside just to root that day. Mm-hmm. They have a bed. They have a bed somewhere nearby. And when you spook them, I learned because I, I used to hunt them, you know, the old Mexican style out in the flats, tracking them after a, after a rainstorm. I'd bump them and they'd run straight. They'd line out. I call it lining out, run mm-hmm. a single file line. Right. And you'll see the tracks in the flats and you'll see that even on the mountainsides where you can see a trail that's coming straight out of the bottom. It's like coming up through the roughest stuff, through all the brush. That's not deer. That's javelina. And those trails usually are going and coming from a bedding area. Once they get far enough away from that bedding area, they kind of disperse. Like you said, they're milling around feeding, right? But you'll, anytime I'm on a hill uh, in a canyon and I see a trail just going straight down to the bottom, that's generally a javelina and there's probably a bed down there. So once I learn my herds, and where they like to bed, that's what I focus on. Mm. I go glass those areas where those beds are, try to catch them coming out of there in the mornings or feeding, you know, in that canyon. And if I don't find them in there and I'm ready to move to the next spot, I call. And they're either going to come or they're not. If they don't come, at least you see them and you can maybe watch where they go. Then I move on to the next canyon where I know another bed is. Um, and that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. So you said something that I keyed in on it that I don't know if anybody else listened to or heard. You said when you learn your herds and I kind of wanted to, I wanted to put this out there again. This is what I've experienced over the years and what has allowed us to be successful as a guiding service for pigs, but also for my own personal is that, the pig's home range, like you said, it's not very big, typically, and it really doesn't change from year to year unless there's a drastic change in the habitat. Right. Like, I have so many spots that I go to. Now I have more than I can, <laughs> can juggle where I've seen pigs, and I know if I go back there with some you know, certainty that there's going to be pigs there again right or at least nearby right and to keep that going i want to add here and some people may frown on this but we really try not to pick on a herd too much Uh, so if if you've got if you've got a herd that you know of right and Mm -hmm. and you roll in that year scouting or hunting you know and and you're, you're looking at the herd and let's say normally it's you know 12 to 15 pigs or whatever a good herd and there's only six individuals, mm-hmm. you know, you have to decide, 
is the herd split because something spooked them and so half are over at this bedding area and the other half are two canyons away and they just haven't got back together? Or, you know, have they experienced a depredation issue or parvo or something? Mm-hmm. you got to make a decision when you're looking at that herd and there's only six individuals, just don't shoot one, man. Right. Go we- go find another herd because if you wipe out that herd, guess what? Now you got to go find another herd. Yep. There's a study out there that basically indicates that once a javelina herd drops below six, that they're either going to die off or they will go join up with another herd. Yeah, they'll merge. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm with you. So, like, just in, in guiding, so we sometimes we take 12 guys out in the same unit. Yeah, I can kill all 12, 12 of them out of one herd, and then that herd's gone. But yep. we never try to let the herds get below 12. No. That's no, we really try to look them over and make sure we're not shooting a sow that's got reds. Mm-hmm. We really try to make sure. And the first thing we're checking is, do we shoot a boar or a sow, right? It's hard to tell. Sometimes you can tell if you look at them long enough, yep, that's a boar, right? Especially the outliers, right? You got a herd and you got a couple of pigs walking around in the back. Right. Those are usually old boars that have gotten their butt kicked by the new guy on the block. And they kind of hang around the periphery. So we try the best we can to shoot a boar. But we really, really strive to not shoot any sows that have reds. And we'll shoot one or two pigs out of a herd, and then we, and we're done. We, we won't shoot any more than that, like, like you're talking about. And we'll go find a, one of our other herds. Yep. And by, by practicing that management, self-management, I call it, you know, that herd is always going to be there, mm-hmm. you know. And I can go back year after year, like you said, and start quickly glassing the areas where I know they like to hang out and feed and bed and and find them. Yep. That's been the key to my success, I think. I have so many spots to go find pigs because I've practiced that. It's something yeah. that I learned, I don't know how many years ago, but and since we've been doing that, now I just have... I got pig spots and I'm just going to go and I'm going to find pigs there. Um, Right. Exactly. So. And to me, it really boils down to, you know, hey, do I want to go out to Creosote Flats today or do I want to go out in the the rolling grassland and glass and stock pigs that way? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to get in the tight wash bottoms and just run and gun and call, right? What's the flavor of the day? What do I feel like doing today? And I have all those options at my fingertips from all the years of knowledge of where these pigs like to be. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think that's key. That's like one of the best things about pig hunting for me. You know, they don't, they don't have antlers, so they're not – finding one to go after is not typically hard. And I and it's – I chuckle because yeah. I say that about a cow, archery cow, elk hunt is the same as a javelina hunt. Unless it's got milk dripping from its lips and spots, you go shoot a cow and you have a good time. Yep. There's no pressure, you know. Yep. Hey, I shouldn't have passed that bull. Now I'm not finding any bulls. You know, I'm having a hard time or, you know, put a lot of pressure on yourselves because you want to shoot a big bull or a big buck. With a pig, like I said, our, our biggest goal is don't shoot a sow with reds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't shoot on sour reds, reds and don't shoot out the herd. <laughs> I've, yep. I've seen these videos where these guys, like six guys, lay down and, you know, oh, yeah. kill. Oh, yeah, we all got our javelina. Okay, great, cool. Those javelina won't be there. 
next yeah, year. Yeah, unfortunately, that buddy type hunting during rifle hunts can really wreak havoc on a herd. Yeah. And listen, you can do that as long as there's 20 pigs in that unit, you know, in that herd, yeah. maybe. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't frown upon guys that are doing it if you're taking it out of a giant herd, but if six guys are shooting at 10 pigs, that's a problem. You know? Yeah. And it, it, it's, you know, from a management standpoint, Maybe it's not a problem. I don't know. They definitely up the, the tags because the population is growing. But you're shooting yourself in the foot if you shoot your herd up. Right, exactly. Now you gotta go find another herd next exactly. year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm real curious about and you're you're pretty well known for this, not only because you make a call, but because you guys have had the best videos out there for calling in pigs and stuff like that. I've never done the flats, by the way. I've never really hunted them in the flats. I've called them in by accident in the flats when I was predator hunting, but never uh, yeah. on purpose. I'd like to hear what your tactics are, what your – I see this. I'm going to go in there. I see this situation, so I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do this, and this is how I'm going to call them in. Or, or are you looking for a certain scenario? Or And then maybe actually we'll talk about the physically calling, what's your cadence and all that stuff. But Right. I mean, I'm a – I'm a bow hunter at heart. I love the spot and stock. Me, that that's doesn't get much better than that. If I can, if I can bed down a coos deer or a mountain lion or a bear, and I can stock in it, and I can actually shoot it in its bed, then checkmate. And it's the same with pigs. I mean, I like to thrill the stock, so you know, generally I'm glassing. But like I said uh, probably earlier, when I'm done glassing a spot, I'll call and. You can't believe how many times. I mean, you think I've got me and, you know, my son, a buddy sitting up on top with big eyes or 1560s or 1556s, and we're picking this apart for three, four hours because we know the pigs live in here and we haven't seen a single pig, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking about serious glassing guys, right? And you don't see a pig and you hit the call and pigs got boiling out of the bottom like rats. And nobody ever saw them. <laughs> and probably 60% of our harvests over the years have been that scenario. Oh, wow. That even though, you know, we have all this tremendous glassing power and we've just been grinding it out for hours, we still didn't pick up those pigs. They were tucked in, bedded up, whatever. And, and then they came in. So I do a lot of that. When, when that's not working out or we're, have, we're struggling with that, I do what I call running and gunning. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into heavy wash bottoms, the heavy, thick mesquite wash bottoms, and just run it like I'm calling predators. Every half mile, pull over, get in the wash, get the call, you know, give it a, a good five minutes, and then move on. And we've killed a lot of pigs doing that. But people call it blind calling. They say you can't blind call. Mm. That's absolutely false. No. I can do it all the time. I've done it so many um, times, predator calling, that I know that that's bullshit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. I've actually the thing, I've had them come in and pick up my, my Fox Pro. <laughs> oh, start yeah. running away the, with it. <laughs> the thing with pigs is the minute you stop calling, they, they stop running. It's almost like their attention span is 10 seconds. And they can come from a long ways. And So when we're calling, I have... If I've got somebody with me, because all I hear is a call in my head when I'm blowing on the dang thing, I have the guys standing off to the sides, 20 yards, and they'll hear them woofing, because usually you'll hear them woofing before you see them. Mm-hmm. 
and the guys will give me the thumbs up, you know, and then I'll, you know, get on the call and get after it. But you got to keep going on the call. You know, I'll call, 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 and I stop for a minute to catch my breath and listen, but and I get right back on it. And you'll see in a few of the videos that I've actually put out there, the minute I stop calling, the pigs kind of stop running. They stand there and they listen, and I get on the call and they start running again. Mm-hmm. And so if you give up calling too soon, you know, you could have pigs coming from five, 600, 800 yards away and not even know it. Right, right. So... When you're leaving a glassing spot, what's your calling sequence or time frame or whatever? So I start out. I start out with a, what I call the baby javelina sound. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear while well, I'm getting a call. You'll hear guys say, "The only time I call pigs is when I spook them." Hmm. Well, you've probably seen this many times. When javelina have little reds. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking little reds. When the herd spooks, the little reds hide. They don't run with the herd. And so I think what happens is when the guys start calling in that scenario, the pigs immediately turn around because they're coming back to rescue that, that little pig. Right. I have had herds where I've I've sat and watched them. Happened two years ago. But in our glass, some big herd, probably 20 pigs. Lots of little reds. I go, hey, let's video this. We start calling the baby pigs down, and the pigs gave it no attention whatsoever yep i think they knew they had all their babies right mm-hmm. everybody's accounted for i don't know what's going on up the hill but hey we're all here and we're all good then i switched over to my pig fight call and the herd came unglued and came racing up the hill oh, okay <laughs> so i think it's just you know what's the dynamic of the herd do they have little ones have they lost little ones or they do they have depredation going on with lions or bobcats have they been called before? You know, there's so many factors. But I kind of tell people it's like turkey hunting. There's there's times you go turkey hunting and you can't get a bird to answer you on the ground, but your squeaky truck door, he'll gobble. So I start out with the baby pig sound and uh, kind of sounds like this. You know, baby pigs have little small lungs. They're not going to make big, long right. sounds. And if everybody's anybody's ever come across one or kind of tried to grab one, that's kind of the sound they make. And I'll do that. And uh, and if you can see the pigs and you can kind of see how they're reacting to the sounds, mm-hmm. uh, you you can change, right? If they're, if you're getting good reaction to that, then continue. If you're getting marginal, then I'll switch over to the pig fight sound. But in any case, especially when I'm bow hunting or if I'm rifle hunting with a, a youngster, right, you want to stop calling when they get into about 30, 40 yards mm-hmm. and then wolf at them. Um, if you just wolf at them, then they'll calm down. They won't be running 100 miles an hour at you. And they'll usually trot right up and give you a decent shot. If you call till they're in your lap, then it's just chaos. It's a drive-by shooting, yeah. <laughs> it's drive-by shooting, and especially with the kids, the youngsters, it's kind of tough on them to, you know, to pull all that together with a running, moving target up close. Yeah, I made that mistake with a uh, client, what was it last year or two years ago? Man, twice I had him at like five yards, and it was a muzzleloader hunt, and we we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I did that one time. With my dad and his buddy on a handgun hunt, and I swear it was shoot out at the old Cape Corral, 
and when the dust settled, not a single hair was on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's how it was for us. Um, I'm real curious, if you could uh, give us an example of your fighting, the fighting uh, pig. All right. I feel like I've done about 20 sit-ups when I'm done with that because I'm starting and stopping the air with my diaphragm mm-hmm. and getting that separation to where it really sounds like something's getting torn up or eaten or fighting or right. whatever whatever you want to call it. And you and um, you move your hand around in circles, right? I think I've Yeah, I'm moving my hand, trying to roll it around. I mean, envision, you know, to me, envisions, you know, a mountain lion's got this pig in his jaws and he's shaking them, right? Right. And I'm trying to get that kind of sound effect of something just getting the daylights tore out of it. Right. Yep. And so I don't know if you answered this or not, if I, if I missed it, but how many minutes do you call when you're going from the one glassing spot to another? Just that, that scenario. I usually call about a good four or five minutes minimum. Any more than that, you know, to me, this, you know, your odds are, are getting lower. I always am locked and loaded and ready to go uh, because I've made the mistake over the years of, well, I'll hear them or I'll see them and I'll be good to go. And I don't have an arrow knocked or I don't have my bow ready or, or whatever. And next thing I know, I've got pigs in my lap and, uh, you know, I'm scrambling trying to get ready. So, like, you know, approach it like predator hunting. Look at your setup. What are my shots going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, do I have shooting lanes? Where do I think they're going to come from? Um, and, and just set up, you know, like you're going to call predators and be ready. Yeah. That's, uh, that makes sense. So four, four to five minutes. I was, I was always wondering what, cause I, you know, I tip, I don't use a call a whole lot, uh, for pigs. Usually I use it when I don't think I can get in there and, mm-hmm. but I haven't done a whole lot of blind calling. I've, I've done the whole break up the herd or, you know, once you shot and you got another guy there that needs to shoot again or, you know, or needs to shoot period, or you just didn't make the shot, <laughs> you know, you missed or whatever the case may be. I've done the whole callback thing, but, and, and I've had success with that, but not, not as much as, uh, oh, I haven't really used it all that much either, but. It's kind of interesting. I mean, the first the first javelina call I got was way back when I was thirteen. It was a wood call, mm-hmm. and uh, and it had a little bit different tone to it. And then you know, as time went on, we we you know we bought some different calls out there. A lot of guys, you know, the Cersei's, the P thirteen, or whatever. Oh yeah, the brother, J thirteen. I had that call. J thirteen. Yeah, my my brothers had them. I you know I had one and. We'd get into the situation where we'd bump the pigs and the pigs are running and my brothers would call and the pigs are running faster and I'd grab my old call out and they'd turn around and come back. Mm. And we're like, well, that's different. Yeah, it's and, different. Uh, what I finally started realizing was the tone of that call was a little different and the, the sounds that I made were a little different. And it, I didn't really key in on the sounds I was making. You know, I did this old dude that taught me how to do it. I just was kind of emulating him hmm. and uh and then one day a friend of my dad's was was in camp and he goes i want to i want to record you with my cassette recorder so i can practice so <laughs> i did my 
I did my deal, didn't think too much of it. And later that day, my dad and I are out, we're, we're glassing, and all of a sudden I hear this baby pig down below me, and I'm like, yeah, dad, there's some pigs below us. Come on over, there's some pigs down here. Mm-hmm. And we start looking, and there's old, you know, there's my dad's buddy down there waving with his tape recorder. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that sounded like a baby pig. And uh, so I started putting two and two together what I was actually doing. Nice. Yeah. I've heard that baby pig sound like when they're playing. I'm assuming it's when they're playing like piglets with each other. It's kind of like it's really like higher pitched. I haven't heard it enough for me to like replicate it. Yeah, there's a couple of guys out there that have videos where they've come across a little red and they're trying to pick it up or, you know, and they're like, you know. And and I've seen that before when they're when they get separated and they're trying to regroup, mm-hmm. they'll they'll make that little sound and and that's essentially what I'm trying to, to replicate. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I get a lot of guys coming up to the house for calls and I give free lessons and and probably about and I don't mean this bad. It's just I've got a lot of experience, right? But about twenty percent of the guys actually can pick it up pretty quick. Mm. The rest of them really struggle with air control and hand control mm. on getting the sounds right. And uh, Yeah, and now really I'm curious think, to see if I'm doing it right. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, there's, somebody posted a video online last night. And, uh, I mean, it worked. The pigs are coming. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 uh, it could use a little work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I have to dive in your into your uh, your video library a little bit more and kind of start practicing. I just, you know, I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe I didn't put too much thought into how it uh, the cadence of it. I, I I feel like I'm just trying to make as terrified as a pig sound as I as I could, mm-hmm. um, and intense to kind of get them to come back. But you know what you're saying has. Uh, has merit and obviously you you know proof is in the pudding yeah. you've, you've you've taken plenty of them so look 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 how far elk calling has come in the last true oh yeah right? see and i'm a i'm a big proponent of elk calling i'm right and and so no doubt you can be in the field and like mm-hmm. that's not an elk that's a hunter right yes for sure and the elk can tell the difference as well mm-hmm. and and i think i think you know, when the pigs are in the mood, the squeaky door is going to call them in. When the pigs are on the fence about it, the more genuine you can sound, I think, is going to increase your odds of getting them to respond. And so I think that's the difference when when guys have them coming in and guys don't have them coming in. If, I, I think a lot of that could be the, the cadence, the, the sounds. Are they realistic sounds for them to respond to it? Or is it just a bunch of squawking, you know, on a, on a call? So I think that's part of it. Yeah. That's a, n- another thing for me to dive into and perfect. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I, I've gotten uh, really uh, into turkey sounds lately. Uh, and uh, I've always been a student of the elk calling stuff. But, yeah. well, And, and you know what? I, I, I have very distinct philosophies about calling predators. And how I lay out my my sequences and and stuff like that. So, I mean, I guess if there's no difference there, or, or you know, they're they're looking for 
uh, genuine sounds and stuff, then why why wouldn't you know a javelina be the same like that? Right, and, be, and javelina are really intelligent, by the way. They're pretty smart critters, so. Yeah, you know. they don't. They definitely don't get the do that they. <laughs> everybody no. thinks them as stupid, or they're just. They don't have good eyesight, and they're and they're kind of ballsy. So that's probably yeah. why they get the. The bad rap, I guess. Uh, you know, here's another example that I try to tell people. You know, I was big into turkey hunting back in the day, killing turkeys with my bow, and and uh, calling and all that. And I, and I was, you know, using the diaphragm call and man, I could cut and purr and do all this really cool stuff with the diaphragm call. And we had a slate and peg and my brother were up hunting turkeys and, you know, we just weren't doing any good. Mm. And we came across a daytime planter laying in the road and it turned out to be some pretty famous guy. I wish I could remember his name, but I'm old mm. Turkey hunter, and I called him up and I said, Hey, I found your daytime planter in the road. And we got chatting about, you know, calling turkeys. We're hunting in 27. Hmm. Told him we didn't do too good. He goes, Oh, man, we tore it up. What kind of call are you using? I told him, He goes, Nah, dude, those birds aren't responding to anything but a box call. And you know what? To this date, I've had more luck with a box call, as rudimentary as it is, than my diaphragms or on my slate and peg. And so this, the Havelina call is kind of the same. Thing in my mind is if you're just going to wail on it and make these crazy sounds, you'll get some pigs to respond to it. But if you can sound like a real pig, whether it's a baby or one fighting, I think your odds are going to be better. Mm. Okay. Well, it's good. I mean, it's a good way to think about it because I, I, I really like to utilize it a lot more just because it's fun. Like, it's kind of fun Trust to have a me, picture dude. charging in, you know. Oh, especially with your clients. I mean, everybody, yeah. you know, you're like me. You like the challenge of the stock. But, man, every time I call pigs in and they about run everybody over, everybody's just inside out. They just they think that's the coolest thing and that's all they want to do again. And from a guide standpoint and a customer standpoint, you know, having especially people that don't know Havelina, right? Oh, this pig is going to charge me. No, he just didn't see you, dummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're standing <laughs> He's still. He's running your direction. Yeah. <laughs> He's not, he's not, the one in the video that tried to bite me in all my years, that's oh, I remember the only that pig, that is the only pig that has ever, ever tried to bite me. Mm. And I've called in thousands of pigs, right? They usually run around your feet, they run around you. I've yeah. never had one try to bite me, so. But most people that aren't used to this, that's exactly, they get wound up, they get fired up thinking they're going to get bit or whatever. And yeah, that adds to the excitement of the day. I haven't had any try to bite me. But like I was saying, predator calling, I've had them actually bite my Fox Pro. The speaker? Yeah. Yep. I've had them pick yep. it up. I did run into a herd in town with a bunch of my dogs. And they yeah, to, those are domest- yeah, domesticated pigs. They're not they, afraid of you anyways. They try to get it. They try to get my dog. But, yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny. You, you hear that all the time. Oh, you're going to get charged. Yeah, well, that's not, no. not really a reality. No, no, I mean, just, they, I guess if you back up a, a female with some, you know, some reds or something, she might be a little bit more vicious. Kind of I interesting. Guess, I came across a stock in a herd one day and heard a little baby just kind of carrying on. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of unusual. And we're sneaking in the pigs and we bumped them and they run off and they left this pig behind and it's still squealing, carrying on. And we go over and it's covered in choya. Can't even walk. Mm. 
So I sat down there and actually we got all the choya out of the, the little guy. Yeah, nice. And now, now he's cuddling up to me because he's cold. And I'm like, great, this is cool. This thing's bonding with me. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're sitting there going, what am I going to do with this thing? I, you know, I, I can't take it home. And here comes mom. She comes back. She literally came up to about five yards and, you know, wolfing at me, got her hair up, didn't get aggressive. And I'm trying to walk away, and this little pig's following me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm trying to run. The little pig's running to catch up with me, and Mama's following behind. <laughs> That's funny. She eventually, you know, s- scooped him up, and they reunited, and off they went. And I felt pretty good about that day. I didn't get a pig, but I felt good that I saved that little guy from a pretty horrendous death. Yeah, that would have sucked. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. That's a cool story. Well, I think I've asked you all the questions that I got sent over to me. If there was anything specific that uh, you think everybody should know about javelina hunting, or any, let me know. Let's share it with them right now. Or otherwise, uh, I'd like to. Nobody knows where to buy your call. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been threatening you at a website together, and I kind of thought this was just a whim. And when it started, it was just for you know folks that wanted them, and it's getting a little more serious. But if they look me up on the social media, Instagram or Facebook, send me a PM. You know, I'll send you the information and the pricing and all that, and uh, and get you set up. There you go. Yeah, I I was like I didn't know if you had a website or not because I'm like. I, I think I was looking for it earlier, and uh, I couldn't find it either. Yeah, I guess if I was a good businessman, I'd probably do all that. But again, it was—I you know, never, never thought I'd get into this to, as a lucrative, money-making type thing. It was more of a hobby, and you know, get guys a call that they can use and be successful with. And the last two or three years, it's—it's it's, uh, been blossoming. So nice. I probably—I probably should put a little effort into a website, but guys are pretty resourceful, man. I think uh, my phone's been blowing up for the last three days straight, and I got a pile of calls going out today, so. There you go. I think they're, they're figuring it out. <laughs> All right. Well, Rick, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you and sharing the knowledge with us, and uh, good luck to you on the rest of the season. Well, good luck to everybody else. I think the biggest tip I can give anybody is get a Get a pair of binoculars, and they don't have to be Zeiss. They don't have to be Swarovskis, but you got to put them on a tripod and spend the time behind the glass. And I think if you do that, you're going to increase your chances of finding pigs. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there. How many times you've been looking at one spot and don't see anything, and all of a sudden something starts moving? If you were hand holding it, you wouldn't. You wouldn't see it there, you know. No, well, that's the key. If you're hand holding one, you get eye fatigue, you get arm fatigue, and, yeah. and but you don't see the subtle movement. I mean, I've literally seen found pigs because they flick their ears in their bed. Yep, you know, it looks like a rock. It, it does. Rock. They do. They look like rocks. Yeah. Found anytime I see anything flick. that's javelina shaped rock, I stare at it for you know, yeah, several minutes to see if I can see any kind of ear or breathing or I'm, whatever i'm retired aerospace right and there's a thing called automated target recognition atr mm-hmm. and uh once you've glassed enough like you and i your brain has atr for that little movement right right that shape that 
that line of a leg, the whatever, right? That looks, it's not natural. That's got to be an animal. And you stare at it for five minutes, 10 minutes, and all of a sudden it moves. Yep. Yep, there he is. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, all right dude. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.